0: Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. G'day, how's it going? What do you know? Striker like Clayton here from XY, chatting with. David, who has a pretty interesting story to do with, I'd say, formerly the number one financial services company in Australia. But uh, but AMP, uh, mate, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, look, good to be here. I think this is definitely a story that needs to be told because there's a lot a lot of stuff that AMP are uh, doing their level best to sweep under the mat.
0: Yeah, and I guess my interest in this topic comes from the fact that AMP it's been such a backbone of financial services in this company for so long right it goes back how long 150 160 years something like that right yeah been instrumental in the development of the entire industry i've known many people to have worked who are amazing people that have worked in amp over the years and it's had i think a lot of good intentions and i, I i'm probably just a little bit disappointed because amp which was you know, the number one financial services company in Australia had a deal, had a contract, right? And in that contract, they said, planners, we want to, I guess, protect your downside if you're willing to help us on the upside. And that was kind of, that was a bit of the trade off, you know, back in the day, right? It was certainly back in the day. Then FOFA came in, yeah. sort of changed that a bit. It was, um, in fact, at that stage, that sort of post FOFA stage, it broke the law. To provide AMP with that upside, and AMP suffered the natural consequence of that law change, and 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 I think in a lot of ways they they were their hands were tied. Everything changed from underneath them. My issue has come about where uh, AMP has said the rules were changed on us, so now we're going to uh, change the rules on our planners. And the issue that I have there is there was a pretty tight contract where it couldn't be changed. The, the new management there decided to change it. There were obviously big issues in that with people losing a lot of money. So, uh, and, and we've had um, Neil McDonald on before the head of the AMP FPA discussing, you know, the class action. So that was started, but, and, but as all this was happening, about 200 or 300 planners were given uh, a contract. And this contract is now infamous, and yet I don't know anything about it. And so I wanted to chat to you because you know about it and you can talk about it. So thank you for coming on.
1: Yeah, look, as I said, yeah, it's a story I think that is in desperate need of telling. Um, and the reason nobody knows about it is because AMP is doing such a really good job of stopping the truth from leaking out just to address a couple of what things that you said there the the bolar contract was never about being commercial and yeah it it, it was about in my mind not so much of amp doing the right thing or being nice about it it was purely business in that at four times nobody in their right mind would even think about selling their business outside the AMP network. It was just way over the odds in in any language. Yes. So AMP was protecting its business, making sure its clients didn't leak out to MLC, for example. So, yeah, there, it was never commercial other than it held together AMP's client base. And... Yes, on that basis that it was pretty much cut in stone at four times. You as a business owner took out certain risks, knowing that at least that risk was underwritten. Absolutely. My story, if I it probably needs to go back to the start, because now now we're in a situation with the Bolar change was one issue, and that's kind of being addressed by the class action. Yes. The second issue is that there's you know, best estimates somewhere between three and 400 advisors, which were essentially given their marching orders last August, I think it was. Yeah. August 19, October 19, I think, was when I had to, to make a decision. I was forced to make a decision that I didn't want to make, frankly. And that exit process has been nothing short of Brutal. It's certainly been drawn out for for those planners, and asking somebody to sit around and be a part of their own demise now for over twelve months is is just. Uh, I think it's black and white wrong. So there's kind of two issues there. There's the bowler issue, which is 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 being taken care of by the the class action, and then there's the treatment of the exiting planners. Um, to try and put it in some sort of context, I might start with, start with the result and then go back and explain how the result is being perpetrated or manufactured. Um, the result is that any, any of the exiting planners that weren't given a choice, they were told they had to basically exit or merge uh, are being given exit audits and these exit audits are being conducted on the basis of a level of compliance that's never existed before so the, the compliance hurdle has just been risen, has been pushed up so far that no nobody if nobody's actually passing it from the, the numbers that we can ascertain which actually gives AMP the ability to reduce the exit payment. It's already been reduced once by the bowler change. So they're now using compliance as the tool to reduce the exit payment even further. So we get into the rights and wrongs of that. And then if you add to that a lot of these practices that AMP have said we don't want to deal with you anymore... Um, have have all are also in debt to AMP for books of clients that the practices have bought from AMP at four times. So basically, you buy a book of clients. In my case, it was uh, sixty thousand dollars worth of revenue at four times. Simple mass, two hundred and forty grand, which was fully funded by AMP Bank. Um, What I was betting on was my ability to grow the business. I wasn't betting that AMP would change the rules and raise the compliance standards to such an extent that I would hand them the ability to devalue the business they've just sold me to zero. Um, I should add that the book of clients that I bought from AMP in 2015 was... 98% 98% grandfathered commissions. Should I have seen the writing on the wall when I did that? Maybe, but AMP also stood there and said, "Yeah, we'll give you four times your revenues." At that time, my my ongoing fee revenue would have more than covered the debt anyway, at four times. Yes. So, so yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, I'm balanced. Not a bad business risk. Yes. So there's a whole background story to that, which we can get into. But that, that was the result. So the result in my case was in March this year. Um, in February, it was actually they put, put, put me through an exit audit. They audited 15 OFA files, ongoing fee arrangement cl- files, clients, um, and failed every single one. I maintain that I haven't done anything wrong, haven't received a client complaint in the 10 plus years that I've been with AMP or, or prior to that, bearing in mind that I've been an advisor since 96, and I've always operated on on as a fee-for-service fee, fee for service client uh, advisor. Right of appeal, not not given in any meaningful sense, so that gave AMP the uh, the ability to turn off the fees to those clients. Going back in history in the last 12, 18 months, two years since the Royal Commission, yeah, my practice was was struggling. You turn off the fees to yeah, half of my ongoing fee clients um, and, and pretty much I'm insolvent. So at that point in time, I uh, handed in my AR, my authorised representative, pretty much on the spot and and said, "I yeah, and I still owe two hundred thousand dollars to AMP Bank. I'll just have to try and negotiate with AMP Bank what to do about that." AMP Bank came after me pretty hard, and the one concession that they did offer was to say, "We'll turn your loan into uh, an interest-free facility, pretty much forever." They weren't going to forgive the loan under any way, shape, form. But they said, we'll make, turn it into an interest-free on the proviso, and the, de- <laughs> the devil's always in the detail, on the proviso that we take your family home as security for that facility. The family home is jointly uh, uh, owned with my partner, who has had nothing to do with the business. Um, that's her financial security. And I was about to, to and AMP wanted to take that security away from her after the, after they've thrown me under the bus, so that was a that was a showstopper as far as I was concerned. Um, the devil in the detail again was um, in the fine print of that contract was that anybody at AMP's anybody at AMP and at their absolute discretion could could put the loan into default and make the loan instantly due and payable at which point in time they could call in the security being the family home, which is why I said, you know, I was not prepared to, to do that to, to my partner. So, yeah, um, it's it's been, that's my story. I believe, and there's some statistics that have come out recently that there is potentially, you know, another 300 people having a similar experience. So what's come out? sorry to get to the chase so what's come out is there seems to be one set of compliance arrangements for exiting orders exiting planners and another set of compliance audits for planners that are staying there that are remaining with amp Um, it's not being applied consistently or evenly is the way it's sort of panning out and the situation is in my mind, that the law should be applied equally. So we got to a situation, and there's a group of us that sort of banded together and tried trying to figure out a way out of this whole mess. Um, It got to a situation where nobody was really taking it terribly seriously. AMP were doing a really good job of saying it's only one or two disgruntled advisors that really shouldn't be in the industry anyway, which is so far from the truth it's not funny. So they've been really doing a really good job of dividing and conquering. So a group of us kind of got together and said, you yeah, know, this is just insane. Um, it's having a huge toll on mental health and people's financial futures by a company we were supposedly in partnership with. Um, not not just and we're also talking about you know potentially yeah you know, many thousands of clients who have had Had their relationships with their advisors just severed without any planning, without any passer handovers, without uh, so clients clients are being left out high and dry as well as as the advisors. Um, So it got to a point where we started to talk to each other, and we were realizing that there's literally hundreds of us out there being treated being being literally thrown under the bus through this audit process. And having our values destroyed. It's the, va- the value is still there. The clients haven't gone anywhere. The The products are still being held by those clients, but it's the value to the advisors' practices that are being destroyed. So it's leaving literally hundreds of advisors in a really precarious, horrible financial situation. Many of us, you know, I've been with AMP for 10 years. Uh, there's been, uh, in one case, they're 18 years. So somewhere between eight and 18 years is kind of the average tenure of the planners that we're talking about. Longstanding planners never had uh, an audit issue in the past. And I've been audited at least once once a year in those 10 years, probably twice a year. And this is where we got to, we said, okay, AMPs are using a weaponized audit process to transfer value from our practices back onto their balance sheets essentially onto its balance sheet and and leaving many of us with significant debts at $200,000 I'm one of the the smaller indebted planners um there's been planners out there that over you know, the last 10 15 years have been accumulating practices and books of clients as as and when it permitted and there's debts out there of a million dollars with no asset behind it anymore. And those planners don't actually have, we'll get to it, but those planners don't have, they're they're restricted, they've signed contracts, and we'll get to the reason why you might sign these crazy contracts in a minute. They've signed contracts that won't allow them to work in the industry, and these are guys in their 50s, largely, people in their 50s, not just guys, people in their 50s, that can't work in the industry that they've been a part of for you know 10 15 20 30 years that are being left with a debt with no real way of being able to, to deal with that debt um, it's just a shocking shocking situation so yeah the planners we started to talk to one another and realize that there's a, some really big common themes going through the way aMP are, are treating the exiting planners so it came down to either aMP and have been negligent in their Corporate uh, Corpse Act uh, responsibilities in regard to training and monitoring, or it's purely a weaponized order. You can't yeah. have it both ways. Um, on that basis, uh, you know, we, we agreed that there's actually something that needs to be reported here under, and, under any sort of ethical obligation to, to ASIC. And it might be just a way of getting the truth out there because we've all been to uh, remediation, not not remediation, mediation, mediation, through the small business ombudsman. And I can't really talk about that because I have signed confidentiality in relation to that, but I will say that it wasn't done in good faith. Mediation only works when two parties meet in good faith. And there was certainly no good faith as far as I, I was concerned with that whole process. And I actually came away from that mediation process quite pissed off that I'd given Ferrari the tool to stand in front of parliament and say, you know, we've mediated with with any planner who wanted it. Um, nothing to see here. Um, couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I mean. They're doing a good job of sweeping it under the mat and, and, and putting the spin on it to keep a lid on the whole situation. Sorry, I've been rabbiting on a bit there. So that's kind of where we're at at the moment. Two weeks ago, uh, and actually two weeks prior to two weeks ago, so a month ago, there was a letter that went to the chairperson at AMP and said, look, know, yeah, these are our concerns. What are you going to do to address them? And the message we got back loud and clear was nothing. Yeah, knock yourselves out. So that's when the, the complaint was formally made to ASIC. So we right. did give we did give AMP the, the opportunity to to correct and make right the situation, but AMP are standing firm. And what we're talking about, you know, we're talking about serious numbers um, here. In my case, prior to um, the Bolar change and admittedly the grandfather change, and grandfather the grandfather commission's admittedly made up about twenty percent of my revenues. So if you discount that twenty percent, my to zero, my business was worth at four times, let's call it $400,000, just to keep the math really simple. Yes. Not, you knock that down by to two, and a, to two and a half times, and then you send in the auditors to devalue it to zero, and I'm left with a business that's now worth zero, and I still owe A&P Bank 200 grand. Yeah. It's, and I'm a, um... I'm a small fish
0: yeah that's that story is tough um one that i've been using as a i guess a, a vicarious story but it does relate is um when uber came to australia the price of a taxi number plate was slashed because all of a sudden any car could be a taxi right um And so what's really the the story behind even the price of a taxi plate is really interesting in that that wasn't government mandated. The taxi association got together at some point, not that long ago, at some point said, hey, we need a retirement fund here. What we're going to do is we're just going to call a taxi plate $400,000. And so out of nowhere, an asset value was created and agreed upon in that one person could sell it to the next, could sell it to the next, could sell it to the next. Now, as Uber's, Uber came in, it eradicated the value. The government stepped in. Mind you, this $400,000 taxi plate was, as I said, wasn't government mandated. It was simply a contract between, or, or a level of understanding between taxi drivers. And yet the government still stepped in because this, uh, this business model eradicated their value and said, what we're going to do is we're going to create a fund, a pool of money. How we're going to collect that pool of money is every single share ride is going to get taxed $1. So wherever you go, every ride is $1. And that $1 from every single user, every single ride will go into a pool and that pool of money will actually pay for the devastating reduction in asset value. Now, what I find interesting about AMP planners and their contracts with AMP is that unlike the taxi drivers, there was a contract in place, uh, a pretty robust contract. And yet, uh, still, AMP has made uh, moves, which uh, has put some advisors in a worse position. Uh, and 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 they've done their best to uh, find clauses in the contract which allow them to do so. Now, do I understand why they would do that from a from a business strategy point? Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I do. I, I fully understand that. Um, does that? But because I understand their motivation, does it allow them to sidestep certainly the? broad understanding of the contract that they entered into with with uh AMP financial planners obviously i don't think so and yes there's this class action going on but what i find disappointing is that taxi drivers and whatever your opinion is of taxi drivers but taxi drivers were considered disadvantaged simply by capitalism like with a competing business model and the government came in to save the day. AMP planners were, I would say in some cases devastated with the outcome that was, it was applied to them and that they actually had a contract in place, a lot more security than a basic understanding between taxi drivers, but the government hasn't done anything for these planners. Now, I'm not like this person that comes out and says the government needs to solve all problems. However, I just think there's a strong analogy there with the taxi drivers and there's more of a case that uh, these planners should get looked after, but they have it. And I have mates, like I got a couple of really good mates that are been roped up into this position. Um, And so I certainly feel for them. When it came to that contract that was the infamous contract that was put in front of everyone, None of my mates have been able to speak about it, so I know nothing about it. Uh, Can you walk us through some of the options? Because there were options in this contract, right?
1: Yeah. I I was given four options as a result of the Bolar changes. And AMP said, look, for whatever reason, but, you know, the the rumour is that they only want to deal with larger practices. And it makes some sense. Economies of scale, all that from a business point of view. No harm, no foul. Yep. Yeah, I'm. I'm. My business model has been one for the last ten years that AMP, for all intents and purposes, looked like they were wanting to encourage. Um, but some, something's changed. New, new managing director and new ideas, and yeah, you know, happens all the time in corporate world. But at no point in time was I given the option to take my debt, take my clients, and take my business. It was the, the four options that were presented to me was a fast, and accelerated bowler exit, allegedly to take place within inside six months. I could work, merge with another practice to increase those economies of scale. I could pay out the debt and take my clients, but I had to pay out my debt with AMP Bank first. And what was the fourth option? Standard bowler. So, two and a half year plus. Exit process.
0: Right. Interesting.
1: So I had those four options.
0: But the fact that they even gave you a two and a half times bowler is just such a, I mean, that is a, um, you'd say almost a 40% reduction in the asset value that they had loaned against. And that's, that's the other part that I, I find weird about all of this is that on the asset column, they're able to write down the value, but on the liability column, they didn't write it down as well. They didn't equal that reduction. To me, um, I think well, they could have saved a lot of heartache just by if if you're going to in if you're going to force this change upon the market, then you need to also take the. The liability, the reduce the liability as well. I mean, it only just makes sense.
1: If you're making the rules, why would you do that? You know, bear in mind, the li my asset is their liability, right? My liability is their asset. Yes. So if if you write down the liability from their point of view, my value, yeah, you've actually it's a great business model if you can get away with it. Oh.
0: If if you can get away with it, but if there's three, let's let's talk like let's do some quick numbers. Say 300 advisors. Let's say average debt is probably close to, I don't know, it's probably going uh,
1: to,
0: probably going to be half a mil. What what's that? So if we go five hundred thousand dollars times times three hundred, we're talking yeah, 150 mil. Look, that's a decent chunk of change. However. I mean, their asset value as a company has gone down much more than one hundred and fifty million dollars during this whole journey. Um, and so potentially there's there's an element of saying, well, uh, you know and not and not everyone would have just gone full bowler as well. Some people would have taken the the choice to to buy back the reduced value from the bank. So you're probably looking at, you'd probably say fifty, fifty of those people. Would go along with the full buyback. You're talking a 75 million dollar reduction compared to the billions of dollars that they've lost in capital value to the company.
1: Well, we we're also talking about AMP banks balance sheet now, and their statutory obligations. You start to wipe off 150 million of AMP banks uh, assets. Well,
0: AMP should have uh, provided that cash then. You'd think. I do think and I don't think it's unreasonable to be honest. I think that that it's a it's a perfectly logical thing. If you're going to if you're going to come in and enforce these actions, then I mean it's it, I don't I want to be careful with my words here, but basically if you offer someone to buy an asset and then you're going to be the funder of that asset and then you remove the turn the asset to zero but insist on the liability, you're going to create an absolute storm, fact.
1: But AMP's arrogance, I think, knows no equal. And and what's come out through all of this is licensees. And look, AMP is not the only one to be doing it, from what I'm hearing, either. Licensees make the rules. That's the way the law has been structured. The licensees make make the rules up as they go. And this is this is proving it. They can make the rules up to suit themselves under law. ARs only ever act as agent for a licensee, so you can put whatever you like, sign whatever contracts you can like. But AM, AMP has changed the rules as it sees fit in order to protect the license in inverted commas mm-hmm. and to keep yeah. You know, so that's that's what they're doing. They're just changing the rules to suit themselves, and they're doing it in such a way by forcing people to yeah. You know, the way they're doing it is to say unless you sign this contract and keep confidentiality, we'll take away whatever crumbs are currently on the table, mm. which is what they did with me, essentially. They said, we'll give you an interest-free loan. There's the crumb. If you don't play our game, that, that's gone as well. So their backing plan is up against the wall. And look, when they audited my 15 files, they didn't order all of my 15 files, interestingly enough, They only audited enough to send me to the wall. Um, With those 15 files, they then had, because ASIC is watching, because it was an audit fail, they had to remediate those files. And some of my clients received checks essentially for lack of provision of ongoing planner services.
0: How did that conversation go with your uh, client?
1: Clients go, What the hell? What? It was a WTF. I've got to check
0: here. Did they take you out for dinner at least? Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: um, one client was so incensed because the, the letter that it accompanied it was pretty defaming. Yeah. One, one of my long-term clients was so incensed, they wrote a Please Explain letter to AMP, which had, is still unanswered. Yeah, And look, fortunately, I've been able to pick up the threads of my business and and you know, look at this point in time, i'm I'm only missing two of my preferred clients, sort of six months down the track, yeah, which is unlike because i I resigned my AR, I was only subject to a six month restrained trade rather than a three year restrainer trade. If AMP paid me a dollar, I would have been handcuffed by a three year restrainer trade.
0: But you still walked out with two hundred thousand dollars debt.
1: yeah, which and I haven't signed any of their, I'm going to say it their bullshit contracts because i I refinanced that debt. Through other sources, yeah. which AMP obviously didn't see coming.
0: Yeah. And so, are you a part of the class action?
1: Yeah. Because part of what they wanted me to sign was also waiving all rights to all future actions against AMP forever.
0: Wait, so all the people that should be in this class act, are you saying that those, you know, that 300 odd advisors yep. who, were, who were asked to leave, were they forced to sign something that says they can't be in the class action? Yes. Bollocks. Are you
1: serious? I am deadly serious. It's come out as part of the class action hearing. I think it was on the 3rd of December and cause said to the judge, this is just wrong. And so the concession was now AMP have to spell out to people that they want to have signed these contracts that if they do sign, they'll be waiving their rights. So now AMP have actually got to spell it out. They're still putting these bullshit contracts in front of exiting planners, but now AMP have actually got to spell it out that they'll be there. anybody who signs will be waiving their rights. But
0: they're the people that the class action is for. So Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to play out, but it's all so- sorts of all the- sorts of wrong. So the class action.
0: The beneficiaries of the class action happen to be the people that are staying in AMP because they're yeah. not signing anything. Wow! So the people that like the people that are in slightly different circumstances to yourself, who who strangely enough, you, you being in a worse position has miraculously turned around to be slightly better position because at yeah. least you can join the um, at least you can join the class action, but. That's very,
1: that's so we, insanely a,
0: disappointing to hear that the people that need this class action the most, that the, that the main reason that this class action exists, does not can't, can't so accept got, the
1: people who need it the most. We've also got a situation now where you've got the advisors that are still in AMP shitting themselves because if they side side with the advisors that are on the way out or have already exited, they risk putting a target on their back and being treated the same way we've been treated. So you've got. Well, who's
0: in this class action then?
1: Yeah, it's it's getting pretty crazy.
0: There's going to be one guy, Neil McDonald. He gets <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars. Neil, lunch is on you. Jesus. Um, that's, uh, that's very. Um, Scary. I think that's almost the right word for it. Yeah. Um, it is a pretty. A pretty scary um, picture that you just painted there yeah
1: I said this is a brutal and systematic destruction of value by one of Australia's largest financial services companies yeah and it's just wrong
0: yeah so what do you reckon let's say let, let let's say the class action exists or, or well let's say it's successful or it's not successful or whatever if there's a bunch or if there's hundreds of advisors out there that um You know, are finding that they're not a part of this class action. I think there's still a level of of help from the government. Now, I never, I, I, I'm always sparsely. You know, I, I don't very often like to recommend that as a solution, but I just think in this case, we look like we were getting
1: going to get a parliamentary inquiry going, and the beautiful thing about parliamentary uh, inquiry, Parliament, is that confidentiality flies out the window. There's parliamentary privilege. Well, also, it supersedes any any contract law as well. Yeah. So, you know, it was a perfect place for the truth to actually be addressed in its entirety. And what's happening there? Well, the the Labor, gov- Labor senators, God love them, are all for it. Right. Liberal senators are, are stymieing it. Why? Who? Do you know yeah. their names? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can look them up. Yeah. But I but that's essentially what's going on. And then you've got to start to ask questions about, you know, where where who who's manipulating the political landscape.
0: in your opinion, who would that be? I've got no <laughs> idea. Uh,
1: I want to be careful. Ah, I okay. I, I, no, fair enough. It's sensitive I, in nature. That's okay. I don't want to yeah start no, I respect that. I respect that. But but it's a question that I think is appropriate to ask. You got one side of government going, Yeah, there's there, there's a real sense that we need to be seen to be doing something here and then on the other side of government and nothing to see here face
0: (laughs) right yeah i think it comes down i mean the taxi again going back to the taxi drivers if the government's going to do something for the taxi drivers they they should well be doing something uh for these amp planners um Mate, we thank you so much for coming on. Obviously, that that's a, a a conversation that I've been hoping to have for eighteen months, and and that's kind of you know because there's, there's a lot of confidentiality there, and so it, it's been great to get to the bottom of you know those options that were there, and 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 you know the, the details around getting involved in the class action or not. I'll, I'll ask you a, a sort of a question. Are you hopeful that there will be a positive outcome for advisors, or have you accepted that it is what it is, what it is, and it's and and you know you guys just didn't end up on the
1: look for my own part? I've got a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm I'm now moving on with my business and and my life. I'm I'm two hundred thousand dollars in debt over and above the value that I've lost building up over the last 10 years being associated with AMP. I've been able to retrieve some of of that value uh, because I have seriously loyal clients. Um, But for the guys that have had no option but to take the crumbs that AMP's left on the table and sign away all their rights in the process that are still in debt, that still can't work for three years, they're they're the guys that I, I and ladies that I really really feel feel for hmm. because there's there's a, a distinct lack of hope for, for that group of people yeah. which is just a horrible place to be. yeah yeah my retirement plans got thrown out the window. yeah you know, I thought I'd just continue on building my business up until I was sixty five go yeah, here you go, AMP, take it away at four times thanks for the memories.
0: yes. Which is what you signed up for.
1: Which is what I signed up for. Yes.
0: At 55,
1: I've got to make every single moment count. Yeah. And at oh, 54 a.m., sorry. Um, so, um, at, but at least I have the ability to dig myself out of the hole. There's lots and lots of people who don't. That that. So, have I moved on? Yes, I have moved on to some extent. I'm still um, dirty that AMP... And I I think in any sort of, and I've said this before, in any sort of moral or ethical sense, this is an out-and-out crime.
0: Doesn't pass phasia.
1: Not at all. Not the least little bit. Doesn't pass the smell test, the pub test, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, if you're talking about the Aussie spirit, yeah, it's just been shat on. Yeah. Um, So it's all sorts of wrong. Weather we're going to see the right result i'm re- uh, maybe it's just me being cynical i'd like to think we'd see at least a better result than what we than what's being achieved by the planners at the moment um, particularly the exiting planners as i said there's kind of two camps there at the moment yeah and i put the exiting planners and we we're going back to the the, the mood at amp changed in sort of January 2018 so we two years' worth of people that have been trying to get out of AMP, the ones that were giving their marching orders and that are still there, and then there's the ones that are still at AMPFP that are keeping their heads down and hoping they don't attract the same sort of attention that we've attracted from AMP Mm. for fear of being in exactly the same situation. So they're sitting there saying... Yeah, yeah we'll do what you know AMP's got a massive gun to everybody's head <laughs> um, including the ones that AMP are saying they want to keep so there's there's some competing factions going on as well um, so am am I hopeful I look I think someone was I like able to put one foot in front of the other I'm a fairly optimistic sort of guy I think there's always hope hmm. where where the realistically I think the right thing is, is going to happen. I've, I've got some really cynical doubts. I think it's been two years now since all this sh- hit the fan.
0: Yeah.
1: It's what, three years since FOFA, uh, since the Royal Commission. Yeah. It's been dragging on for a hell of a long time now. AMP could have done the right thing and could have moved on with their business model. They've chosen to, to throw people who can't defend themselves under the bus. And sweep it all under the mat in the process. It's just wrong, <laughs> black and white wrong. Yeah, and they seem to be getting away with it. Yeah.
0: So, mate, thank you again, David, for coming on, sharing all that. It's been um, illuminating, to say the very least. And um, yeah, I, I think with A and P being you know, such such an important part of the financial services landscape in this country, I think we probably would have liked a better outcome. And, um, mate, I, uh, I applaud your, you mentioned the Aussie spirit, the Anzac spirit that you have, the, the resilience that you, that you're putting forward and, and going out there to get it. So I congratulate you on that. And I'm, uh, sucks that all that happened to you and, and hundreds of other advisors, but hopefully, you know, there's something that's on the other side of all of this. Yeah. You know, and I really do hope that. So for Christmas, mate, enjoy your time with the family All those good things. And then I'm excited to see what you do with your business next year and moving onwards, you know. There's a whole new way of doing things, mate. You've been thrown into it now. So, uh, So all the best to you. Yeah, thanks, Clayton. Good on you. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers.